As a pharmacist, it's a much, much, much more fulfilling practice. You can work independently and you can help people. And if you think back to why did you become a pharmacist, you probably didn't become a pharmacist to count pills, I'll bet. And what the feedback that I get is that patients just absolutely love this. And that's fantastic for your own job satisfaction. And I've had comments from pharmacists saying things like, I've forgotten. But this is why I became a pharmacist, to provide a full scope of practice, and that's what being a pharmacist is all about. Hi, I'm Ross Tsuki, Professor and Chair, Department of Pharmacology, Faculty of Medicine and Dentistry at the University of Alberta, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PDCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. In today's episode, we will be speaking with Dr. Ross Sayuki, Professor and Chair of the Department of Pharmacology, Faculty of Medicine and Dentistry at the University of Alberta. Dr. Siyuki's main interest is improving public health through engaging community pharmacists as primary care providers. We will be chatting about full scope of practice and what that means and how it can be achieved. As we know, the community pharmacy landscape is changing and professional services have become mainstream, but to truly provide a holistic health experience for patients, including injections, prescribing and laboratory testing, it's important to explore the actual ability to provide full scope of practice. Here's Ross. Welcome to the show, Ross. Let's start by getting to know you a little bit and, and setting the scene. What is your background and your interest in pharmacy practice? I'm a pharmacist. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree and, and a PharmD uh, degree. Um, I also have a master's degree in uh, health research design and a two-year fellowship in, in clinical trials. Uh, so my current position is chair of the Department of Pharmacology, uh, at the, uh, which is in the Faculty of Medicine and Dentistry at the University of Alberta. Um, I'm also a professor of medicine in cardiology uh, as well, and I see patients in an outpatient clinic uh, as a prescribing uh, pharmacist. Uh, I've done that for 23 years now, uh, hard to believe. And um, I guess my, you know, my interest in pharmacy practice is uh, is really, it comes from my interest in the application of research evidence. And, uh, you know, th that really sort of started when, uh, years ago, when we were looking at things like uh, uh, the usage of statins in patients with uh, with heart disease and uh, we found that they weren't used very well and trying to figure figure out how to fix that problem and I had this idea that maybe pharmacists would be good at that and uh, that's kind of how I started uh, with uh, pharmacy practice uh, research and and so I kind of get the best of both worlds in that uh, I get to uh, to improve patient care with different interventions uh, provided by pharmacists. And so that, that advances pharmacy practice as well. Speaking of pharmacy practice, this podcast is aimed at the Australian pharmacy sector, but can you paint a picture of the Canadian pharmacy landscape for us? For one thing, <laughs> I guess our landscape is a lot colder than yours, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, both, uh, both countries are very large, 
They're very sparsely populated, uh, and in fact, interestingly, all along a narrow belt, uh, which is where most of the people live. Uh, big rural areas, uh, that's an issue. Um, our Canadian system, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, is it's a federally funded system, but it's administered by the different provinces and territories. So what that means is that we've got 13 different systems, healthcare systems, and what that means for pharmacists is that we've got 13 different scopes of practice, which is terrible to keep up with uh, and, and, you know, not particularly uh, efficient. But uh, in my home province of Alberta uh, is one of the most progressive. And so here, all licensed pharmacists can... can um, uh, prescribe in an emergency. Uh, all licensed pharmacists can renew and adapt um, prescriptions. Uh, all pharmacists can order lab tests. Um, all uh, community pharmacists can bill for uh, certain clinical uh, services. And then everyone can apply for independent prescribing uh, and um, you go through a certain process to to uh, to obtain that. And about 50% of, of community pharmacists now have their independent prescribing authority in Alberta. You speak about 13 scopes of practice. What do you consider to be full scope of practice? And also, should we just do away with terms like advanced and extended scope of practice? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So full scope to me means um, means prescribing, it means ordering laboratory tests, it means doing injections, and it means chronic disease management. Um, and the problem I have with the use of the terms like advanced practice or extended practice, you know, in a way, they sound like luxuries, like it'd be great to have an advanced practice, but, but um, it, or, you know, people will, will say, well, that's just a self-interest, you know, you're just trying to self-fulfill uh, something for your your practice or for your profession. Rather, I think that these things should be thought of as what a pharmacist, any pharmacist, is capable of doing for patients. And patients should be able to expect these services from any, any pharmacist. And, you know, there's lots of barriers to a full scope of practice, but, but what I, what essentially I'm saying is that a full scope of practice are the things that any pharmacist should be able to deliver uh, to their patients. A lot of pharmacies are continually looking for ways to change for the better. You spoke there about some benefits that patients can expect from pharmacists, but what are some of the benefits on offer for the pharmacies as a business if they're looking to expand their offerings into full scope? Probably the biggest thing is that uh, as a pharmacist, uh, it's a much, much, much more fulfilling practice. Uh, you can work independently and you can help people. Uh, and, and if you think back to, you know, why did you become a pharmacist? Uh, you probably didn't become a pharmacist to count pills, I'll bet. Uh, and, and what, what the feedback that I get, uh, is that patients just absolutely love this, and uh, you know that's fantastic for uh, for your own job satisfaction. And I've had comments from pharmacists saying things like, "This I've forgotten. 
but this is why I became a pharmacist to to uh, to provide a full scope of practice um, and that's what being a pharmacist is all about and uh, you know uh, I think that that uh, people will never go back and in fact we've had interesting situations where we have trained pharmacists to in prescribing and and disease management and cardiology and then they've moved back home to another jurisdiction where they can't practice to their full scope uh, for example they moved to another province and they can't order lab tests they can't prescribe and they can't tell the government for for those services and that's got and you know they're telling me oh this is awful because I've tasted it before <laughs> and so, you know, there's a few people where that's that's been the situation, and uh, it really goes to show you that uh, once you start doing it, practicing in that fashion, um, that's what you want, and you will never want to go back uh, again. Professional satisfaction is a goal for a lot of people, so that sounds really attractive, and those benefits sound great, but a lot of the time when we implement change in a business sense, there can be expected but also unexpected challenges along the way. What are some of the challenges pharmacies face if they're looking to expand their offering to full scope? My experience has been that the the biggest uh, challenge has been changing the workflow away from the technical aspect of of filling prescriptions and 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 um, you know counting pills. Um, Changing that workflow away from that to to um, to meet patient care demands, and you know, remember that that people come in, they've got a a problem, but they don't always know what that problem is. Uh, for example, if you came in and your cholesterol was high, uh, you might not know that, and it, as a as a as a pharmacist. Um, I would be asking you questions and trying to assess whether or not that is actually the case or not, because of course you can't feel that your cholesterol was high, and um, and so we need you know, and you haven't showed up with a prescription for a cholesterol lowering medication, so so um, you know it, it's changing the way we provide those services and the workflow, particularly in a community pharmacy. That, that has to change, and it's a fundamental change. And, um, and so the people that have been most successful at this uh, have changed uh, the way they, they approach workflow. And so rather than seeing the patient once the prescription is actually being handed over to them, they actually do it the opposite way, and they see the patient first in consultation, often in a separate room, uh, like when you see a physician, uh, they they will um, they will see the patient first, find out what their concerns are for today, what problems need to be addressed, and if there's a prescription, fine that you know a technician will will fill that, uh, and um, addressing the patient's uh, concerns, and uh, so that's a fundamentally different way of of approaching that, and and. Uh, in Canada, in particular, you know, we have large uh, pharmacy corporations, and they have a certain way that they do their workflow, and, and that's very difficult to change. It's a very 
big ship to try to turn around. And so people have this challenge of this is the way we work at this particular place. But, um, you know, if your primary goal is patient care, uh, you need to do it differently. Lots of resistance to change or criticism can come from lots of different places, not just internally around, well, this is the way that our workflow works and we don't really want to change. In those provinces that can practice full scope in Canada, they've obviously done really well and and are reaping the benefits and the professional satisfaction. But what opposition did Canadian pharmacists come up against when first trying to work to full scope of practice, and how has that opposition been overcome? When this was first starting, so, you know, 10 years ago, uh, a little over 10 years ago uh, for independent prescribing in Alberta, there was a bit of, I would call it, minor squawking uh, from GPs, uh, you know, saying, oh, our pharmacist qualified to do this, and, you know, is there a conflict of interest? Uh, a little bit of minor squawking like that. Um, but interestingly, we, we had really very strong support from specialists, uh, internists and cardiologists and uh, hematologists, uh, et cetera. So, so um, and we also had really good support from the uh, practice guidelines that were being produced nationally. And, and they all started to say, you need to have a pharmacist involved. So that helped uh, as well. Um, so I guess probably most of the, uh, opposition actually came from internal, uh, internal barriers, uh, things like, uh, the corporations didn't want to change, the pharmacy corporations didn't want to change. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was a kind of a tough thing, uh, in the beginning. So a lot of it was actually internal. Um, nowadays, um, we have very strong support from a number of different disease-based organizations, and, and that's, that's really, really encouraging. So uh, an example of a group that I work with now is, is Hypertension Canada. And so Hypertension Canada produces the guidelines, uh, you know, for management of high blood pressure. And for 10 years, they've been supportive of, of pharmacists. Um, but it's actually moving to a new level now where basically Hypertension Canada is saying the future of hypertension management lies with pharmacists. And so we've actually got a document circulating around that's, that uh, I think is going to be published soon that is a call to action for uh, governments and healthcare authorities to allow pharmacists to independently prescribe for hypertension because the evidence supports that uh, and um, this is the way that Hypertension Canada feels that we're going to achieve better blood pressure control for our, pa- our, our population. And so, you know, that's, that's interesting that uh, groups like that are really stepping up and saying we need pharmacists, we need more pharmacists uh, uh, to do this. We've spoken a lot about the business benefits and workflows and internal changes and challenges and barriers and objectives and things like that. But in Canada, for those patients who are the ones actually experiencing full scope of practice, what has their feedback been about their experiences? That feedback has been really, really interesting. And you could argue that that feedback is probably the most important Sure, we've been able to show through our research that, um, you know, blood pressure is better, cholesterol is better, cardiovascular risk is better, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But 
but I think you you uh, you bring up an important point that uh, it's the patients that are experiencing this, and and we need to be asking patients what they think. And and so uh, here's an example. Uh, so we did a, a trial that was called the REACH uh, study. It was a randomized trial of cardiovascular risk reduction by pharmacists practicing to their full scope, which included prescribing. Um, and what we saw in that was a 21% reduction in their risk of a major cardiovascular uh, event, which is obviously good. But we also went a step further and we asked patients, we had a third party ask patients, well, what did you think of this? And uh, it was really interesting. Uh, patients were extremely supportive and really um, appreciative of pharmacists' full scope of practice. Um, they were also really uh, reassured that the pharmacist and, and the physician were communicating. Uh, and, and so, because they, they initially thought that, well, it's great that the pharmacist is doing all these things, um, but I'd like my physician to know as well. And part of our scope of practice is when we do something independently, we tell other people involved with the care of that patient what we're doing. And that's part of our standard of practice. Um, patients also commented on accessibility. They really loved the fact that they could come in and see their pharmacist anytime, that, that the pharmacist would spend time with them and not rush them out in four minutes. Um, so they, they really valued the accessibility. They really valued the, the good relationships that they had with their pharmacist. So, you know, the kind of things that people would say, you know, oh, my pharmacist, uh, you know, it's so great that they uh, are taking care of me. We had quotes of people saying things like, this is the first time anyone has really, truly, truly cared for me. Uh, and, and this is the first time that anyone has ever explained, you know, these complicated cardiovascular risk factors to me in a way that I could understand. So, you know, really, really nice uh, comments. And then the last thing that they, category of thing that they commented on was compassion. Uh, they said, you know, the pharmacists were incredibly compassionate and would, would uh, you know, really sit down with them. And, you know, these are people that they knew. And, and, and they, they said, oh, they were so compassionate. They were so understanding. You know, it's difficult to change my diet to, to manage my diabetes. But they understood that and, and were compassionate about it, empathetic about it. And, you know, there were a lot of comments like that. I even got, uh, I got an unsolicited letter from, from uh, someone who was a uh, 80, five-year-old retired nurse and she said she opened up her letter to say uh, I just wanted to write to you because I thought I could never be well again until I met with my pharmacist who helped me to manage my diabetes which had never been well controlled and so she's going on about how now she's living life again she's getting to do the things that she wants to do and you know, it's almost enough to make you cry. Um, that she she just really thought that uh, wow, this was you know this was this was uh, incredible, and this was in within one of our studies, uh, and I just didn't expect that. I was really taken aback by it uh, in a good way. 
Must have put a smile on your face, Ross, and made you feel very proud. And Canada now has a track record in this space. But here in Australia, discussion regarding pharmacists working to full scope of practice has been met with some opposition. Recently in Queensland, uh, they proposed statewide trials of limited pharmacy prescribing for UTI antibiotics and contraceptive repeats, which was met with criticism and some suggesting that the proposed changes in pharmacy practice are no way designed to improve patient care, but rather simply to increase business profit. What are your thoughts on those views? <laughs> but don't get me started. <laughs> um, you know, this is... The- it's interesting because I, I was watching this unfold, actually, because a lot of it was unfolding on Twitter, uh, and I'm watching this unfold, and, and I'm thinking, oh, we went through this 10 years ago uh, in Canada, and it's, it's exactly the same sorts of, uh, of thing uh, that um, uh, all, of the, all of the claims that are made, all, all these kind of ridiculous uh, 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 objections uh, were exactly the same. In fact, it prompted me to write an editorial uh, that was called FAQs on on pharmacist scope of practice. But the FAQ stood for frequent asinine questions. Um, so uh, I had some fun with that. But but it, it is kind of irritating that the same sorts of baseless uh, kinds of of claims uh, come up. And, and so, like, in, in, in the case of the, the Queensland Project for Urinary Tract Infections, um, you know, these 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 are baseless claims and fear-mongering. One of the outrageous claims was that pharmacists prescribing would actually um, cause anti- antibiotic resistance to become rampant. And so I responded to that because we actually did a study on this and, and in our, our study, this is, so this is a study of pharmacists prescribing for urinary tract infections. And we tracked this, and we found a very high cure rate, which is kind of what you would expect. But interestingly, when a pharmacist prescribed, they followed the guidelines for antibiotic use 95% of the time. When we looked at, for GPs prescribing, they only followed the guidelines 35% of the time. So here's evidence, and they're saying, well, we're going to cause, you know, all this resistance. Um, and, and, in fact, our evidence is quite to the contrary, uh, that, um, in fact, pharmacists will follow guidelines, and, uh, and they did. And so, you know, these, these are the kind of baseless kind of claims um, that, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. But when people feel threatened, I guess that's what, that's what they do. Well, on that point, you've also spoken about pharmacists themselves being the biggest barrier to changing the profession. Can you explain what you mean by that? There are certain characteristics that I think everybody recognizes uh, in pharmacists. In fact, we kind of laugh about it, but um, basically, pharmacists lack confidence. We're change averse. We fear new responsibilities. Uh, We're paralyzed in the face of ambiguity which is clinical medicine, uh, and we have this abnormal need for approval. And so we all sort of laugh that, well, yeah, that's, that's uh, generally um, pharmacists. Um, the thing that is bad about this is, is our culture kind of accepts these characteristics, although, you know, they're just being a pharmacist. And I, I think that's something that really, really, really needs to, to change. Um, so... 
you know, if people don't want to take responsibility for patient care, is that okay? I don't think it's okay. Um, and yet we kind of accept it. Uh, and, you know, you, you can see this all the time. You walk into, if you, you know, if you've ever, uh, as a pharmacist, if, if I walk into a pharmacy and they don't know that I'm a pharmacist, uh, and uh, you just sort of observe what they do, and it, quite often it's bare minimum, and uh, or don't talk to you at all. And, and, you know, that's just not, to me, that's not acceptable. And yet we accept it somehow. And so I think that's our biggest challenge is to, to change that culture to say, look, this is not what, uh, this is not acceptable for a pharmacist. It's an interesting point. What can leaders and professional bodies be doing to assist pharmacies to help change their culture in that respect and also to offer services for pharmacists wanting to work to their full scope of practice? Culture is is difficult to change. It's notoriously difficult to change. But the change has to happen, and it has to happen over a period of time. So I think keeping that in mind, that we have to change our culture, um, that's, that's one thing. I think um, professional organizations also need to invest in research to generate that kind of evidence. Um, and, and I think, you know, evidence is, is, is important, but it's not enough to actually change practice. So, for example, we just published a study on pharmacist management of urinary tract infections. Does that mean that all pharmacists are going to start managing urinary tract infections? No, it doesn't. Uh, so the second thing that we really need is we need to invest in implementation. And there's an entire field called implementation science. Uh, and we need to we need to be doing uh, programs that use the principles of implementation science to to scale and spread that out uh, into the community because uh, you know one of the frustrating things is we all say oh you know if we could only prescribe you know everything would be would be great again um, but the reality is whatever scope of practice you have now. We are notorious in that we, we generally don't use it to the full extent. And uh, why is that? And why is that acceptable? That's something that we need to work on. And, and so, yeah, if you will, we, we could call it standards of practice or, um, you know, just making it part of our culture that this is, this is what we do. Um, so, you know, here, here's, here's kind of an example. So in... Um, in in uh, in Alberta, where you know pharmacists can prescribe, um, so the the wife of a prominent pharmacist, uh, she had some eye surgery and she had some antibiotic eye drops, and she was supposed to use those eye drops for I think it was five days after the surgery, and on day two, she accidentally dropped it, dropped the bottle when it was open, and it landed in a little bit of dirt, right? So it's not going to be sterile anymore. And this, of course, these things only happen on the weekend, right? So on the weekend, they go back to the pharmacy and say, you know, sorry, I dropped this. I dropped this in the dirt. Uh, can I have another one? And the pharmacist wouldn't 
give her another one, even though they had on record a legitimate prescription and it was a legitimate reason why uh, she needed another one. And it's not like she was going to abuse it. And the pharmacist refused, said, oh, I can't do that, which is, <laughs> is not true. And, you know, it doesn't matter that it was the wife of a prominent pharmacist here. Um, it, it matters that, that that was somehow acceptable to say no. And that's not patient care. And so why is that acceptable? These kind of things shouldn't happen. That story sounds like a great segue into my next question, which is if you could do three things to improve patient care through community pharmacy, what would they be? Three things, magic wand. I would say advocate for that full scope of practice, which is, as you know, is, is not available in a lot of places. Uh, for, as an example, in Australia, you can't order lab tests. And that effectively ties one hand behind your back because you need lab tests to be able to monitor drug therapy. And so, you know, advocating for that uh, is, is, is really important and actually changing that. The scope of practice that we have now is based on these archaic kind of laws and it's, it's anything but evidence-based. And so, you know, that's just not acceptable. So, Advocating for that full scope of practice is, is super important. Um, as I had alluded to before, we need to change our culture to make patient care, which means, you know, making decisions and taking responsibility for care. Um, we need to make that our culture. And by making it our culture, it becomes unacceptable not to not do those things. And then I guess, if I can have one more thing, and that would be um, we need to work together uh, on this. And, you know, as a profession, we're too small to be separated out into all these splinter groups. So there's, you know, consultant pharmacists, there's, uh, there's uh, hospital pharmacists, there's academic pharmacists. Uh, uh, we also have a group of pharmacists that are embedded within um, primary care uh, physician practices. And, you know, to have all these different groups, it doesn't help us. We're too small. Uh, we need to work together uh, on these really big issues because we're all pharmacists and we all want this for for our patients and then for our profession. And we just got to work together um, uh, on this. And, and uh, so that would be my third uh, kind of wish uh, for for the profession. That's great, Ross, and it certainly does obviously offer business benefits and industry benefits, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's the, the patient themselves who benefit the absolute most. Now, Ross, we are looking forward to seeing you at Pharmacy Connect in Sydney in September. What excites you about your visit? What are you most looking forward to? Well, first of all, it's in Australia, <laughs> which I, I love visiting. Uh, I've been about eight times uh, before. So I, I love that. Lots of friends there. Um, but the thing is, about a conference that I really like is, is um, especially a conference like this one, is, is I really love the discussion with, with colleagues um, and, and, you know, the, the discussion that ensues, uh, it makes you realize that uh, 
You know, I'm in a different country, 8,000 kilometers away, but we've got very common goals. We've got very common uh, aspirations. And in fact, the, our barriers are pretty much the same uh, as well. And again, this is something we could we could work together uh, on. And, um, you know, it makes the world seem that much smaller. Um, but uh, the, I really, really, uh, really enjoy, you know, interacting with colleagues and, and um you know, if I can provide a few pointers to, to well, this is what we did. Uh, you know, this is what worked. This is what didn't work. Uh, you know, I really, really uh, would love to 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 share that uh, with people and vice versa for for things that uh, you've got a lot of great researchers in, in Australia um, that have really pioneered pharmacy practice uh, research, and and so uh, you know, I learn a lot too. Ross, until we see you in Sydney, stay well and travel safe. And thank you for spending some time with us and discussing full scope of practice. It's absolutely my pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. And I hope to see everyone there. What an awesome insight into full scope of pharmacy practice and what has already been achieved in Canada and what could occur in Australia. The Guild recognises the important role community pharmacies play in patient healthcare. The CP 2025 framework for change document outlines much of what we have discussed here today the ability for community pharmacies to provide health services and community health hubs is paramount to the health of australians and as we heard ross discuss provides pharmacists with increased levels of job satisfaction to access the framework and the nine pathways that support the change go to guild.org.au forward slash about hyphen us forward slash community hyphen pharmacy hyphen 2025 forward slash framework as we also mentioned ross will be presenting at the pharmacy connect conference in september this is a great opportunity for us to delve into the issues further and have some robust discussions on the way forward for recognition of full scope of practice visit pharmacy connect.com.au today to register and to attend and join the conversation until next time i've been your host daniel oyston and you've been listening to episode 25 of the pbcn podcast the pbcn podcast supporting your journey every step of the way for more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.